You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Daniel Gallen. We are fresh out of the press box at Beaver Stadium. And for those of you who joined us in Beaver Stadium today, there were apparently 107,000 plus of you. I hope you enjoyed the afternoon. There was a lot to like about these Nittany Lions and the performance that they gave the fans. There's a lot to like about what the Penn State coaching staff should be able to gather from a data standpoint as they got to see a lot of this roster in action. We got to see some of these freshmen live up to the hype. Got a lot to talk about, some things to nitpick. There was also a commitment that came through here on Saturday evening. So let's get it started, Daniel. 46 to 10 is the final score. We all don't look like fools now because we picked Penn State to win well beyond uh, the spread, which was four touchdowns. So we had confidence in the Nittany Lions coming into this. I will say, though, I think overall, they played a cleaner game than I anticipated through four quarters. and, And that's while using a ton of guys. Yeah, I think that's what you kind of worry about when you get to this point uh, in this kind of game where there's a lot of guys where this is their first action. This is their first extended action for a lot of guys today. It was their Beaver Stadium debuts, their collegiate debuts. Um, And so in that situation, you can have, uh, you know, James Franklin mentioned the one fumble uh, by Liam Clifford that kind of snuck by us. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I think that the there weren't a lot of penalties. There weren't uh, backbreaking turnovers. Um, we can maybe talk about some of the sacks early on. Um, but overall, it was Penn State came in and, and did what they needed to do. Um, I thought that they just needed to get out to that early lead, um, get the young guys in and let them go to work, um, you know, use it as an opportunity to get guys reps. And they did just that. Yeah, Penn State got touchdowns off their first couple possessions. Um, and we also saw Nick Singleton go bonkers on the second possession, a uh, 70-yard touchdown run, showing exactly what he's capable of, showing off that long-distance threat that has been missing. And it was really the first moment that we've witnessed like that out of the Penn State backfield, I feel like, since we were down in Dallas and you weren't even on the beat yet, watching watching Penn State beat Memphis in the Cotton Bowl and Journey Brown run crazy. Uh, this was a refreshing moment for a lot of Penn State fans and a validating one for everybody who's been on the Nick Singleton bandwagon for a long time, a guy who was the Gatorade Player of the Year, of course, across the country for college football. And last week we got a nice peek at him, but this was totally different. And you wrote about it, Daniel, afterward. We got a few freshmen in spotlight. We've got a bunch of other guys to talk about it as well. But Singleton, to me, is the big storyline here because he required only 10 carries to get to 179 yards. He had the 70-yard touchdown first. Later on in the game, when fellow five-star freshman Drew Aller is in the backfield with him, he races 44 yards for his second touchdown of the afternoon. Three different guys in this game scored their first college touchdown. He scored two of them. 
Yeah, I think the the last. I think this is my my first time ever seeing a Penn State running back uh, crest a hundred yards in a uh, in a professional capacity. So big big landmarks all around for for everyone today. But Nick Singleton, I wrote about this that this was kind of what we were waiting for. This was how Nick Singleton was advertised, and he kind of teased it against Purdue, where especially that first carry, he got tripped up, nine yard gain. You could just tell that he looked different than Kevon Lee. Uh, he looked different than Devin Ford. Even last year, he looked different than Noah Kane. Um, and so we kind of knew what type of running back he was. Um, and it just was only a matter of time uh, before he was able to show that off. And that happened to be today in the first half with that 70-yarder uh, where he, uh, Brenton Strange and Caden Wallace <laughs> wiped out three guys. Um, I, I kind of missed that block until Tyler Warren pointed it out after the game. Uh, but then you look at Sal Wormley uh, out in front uh, getting a block, and then Nick Singleton sheds a tackler and is gone. Um, I think that you saw him when he got to the second level. He was just running away from guys. Um, he had that 48-yarder uh, in the third quarter where he got chased down, uh, but they Ohio had a good angle on him there. But it was just kind of the, there was a bit of a thrill every single time he touched the ball um, where it was all right. This is this is what we came for. Uh, this is what Nick Singleton came here to do, and we got to see it. Um, it will be interesting to see how this translates uh, to Auburn, how it translates to, to some of these Big Ten defenses. Um, I think that forty-four yarder, he was really he went horizontal for a while to get to the edge uh, and then took off. Um, can you do that against Michigan or Ohio State or Michigan State? We'll see, but I think the fact that he was able to do it against a MAC team, he's just able to do it. Period uh, is some is a big takeaway for Penn State fans uh, moving forward. His seventy-yard touchdown run made this a fourteen-to-nothing game. His forty-four-yard touchdown run uh, really helped this one feel like it was completely on ice. It already felt that way, but forty to seven, it, it just felt completely unreachable by then. That was with about four minutes to go in the third quarter. And that run to me, although it was the shorter of the two, Daniel was the more impressive and eye-opening because when he was trying to stretch this thing out to the right, it wasn't like he had all the room in the world and he was just following a path. He had to create there and it was the exact kind of run that all due respect to everybody who's been in this backfield since Journey Brown stepped aside because of medical reasons. No one else is doing that. And I don't think anybody else is even gaining six, seven yards on that kind of a run unless they go beast mode and break some tackles. And again, not really something that's been prevalent in this backfield. So Nick Singleton, not just to pick up 10 yards in that play, which I thought would have been an impressive feat, but then to take it to the next level and then outrace the defensive backs all the way to that 44-yard touchdown run, showed a different gear, and it also added some credence to something J1 Sider told us during the last week of August camp. In comparing Journey Brown and Nick Singleton, who he says have the best straightaway speed in this backfield in recent years, he talked about Journey Brown being a smooth kind of glider, a track kind of runner, where in this case, there's a violent and aggressive nature to the way Nick Singleton carries that rock. Nittany Lions fans got a peak today. I think to your point, the next step in his process is going to be something James Franklin used to talk about with Saquon Barkley, with Miles Sanders, about taking what the defense gives you and not always being tempted to bounce it outside and turn to something big. But you'll take some of those gambles uh, because if you have a guy who can make those pay off and Nick Singleton can, those are the kind of plays that win you games that maybe you shouldn't get away with a W. That, that cider comment uh, really, I think, is very striking because it was the type of thing where you could it felt like you could see Nick Singleton go to that next gear where you it, it felt like you could see him kind of 
you know, shift and then pull away from guys. Whereas I think journey Brown in my very limited time watching him on TV, it, it was kind of that glider thing where he would just kind of pull away from guys and you wouldn't really notice it until it was a beautiful later. thing. No, I don't want to shortchange. No, it was a beautiful way to, to, to run the football. This is a little bit different. And this is one that I think you, you kind of, match up with some of the more uh, highly touted running backs at the NFL level. This is the way they run the football. Exactly. Um, and I think that when you look at this moving forward, kind of what we talked about, um, I think we talked about this during the game where, where you did the, the classic little math problem of, well, if you take away the 70 yard run, what, you know, what is he averaging? And we talked about it where the fact that the 70 yard run is there, um, it doesn't really, it, it kind of cancels out uh, those two, three, four yard gains. Um, I remember when I was covering the Eagles, it was the same thing with Miles Sanders, where he would break off these, you know, one, two, three, uh, you know, long runs a game. Um, and people would be like, well, if, if you take it away, you know, wh- what is he doing? He's, you know, too, he's going horizontal too much, but that's why he's in the game. He's in the game to be a game breaker. You can live with that stuff because you know, you're going to get a 40 yard run, a 50 yard run. Whereas last year, we kind of knew they weren't going to get that um, for the most part. So it is going to be really interesting to see how this, uh, you know, looks moving forward. But I think we wanted to, we wanted Nick Singleton to look like a five-star running back on a big 10 team going up against Mac defenders. And that is exactly what we saw. Yeah. Just at a different level. And and that's to anybody on the field, another major step forward next week for him and and this entire Nittany Lions offense as they hit the road once more and and go take on an SEC opponent in Auburn. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about that next week. And I want to get to the other five-star freshman in just a moment, but a quick review of what happened today at running back because James Franklin told us on Wednesday night after practice, they were looking at a one to one to one kind of approach similar to what we saw week one at Purdue. I know that's infuriating for a lot of fans. So many of you are probably, happy that got blown up because they found a hot hand we saw Nick Singleton get some sequential possessions where he could get a little bit of a rhythm going but let's keep it in perspective 10 carries it wasn't a workhorse kind of day it didn't need to be a workhorse kind of day and overall it wasn't really a lot of work for the running backs you had Katron Allen get six carries for 23 yards that was highlighted by an 11 yard run so not a lot going on beyond that he did have a 22 yard reception and and that's the second straight game where Katron Allen has shown his abilities as a receiver out of the backfield and then the guy who got lost in the shuffle today was Kevon Lee. He, he got the start. He had one carry for zero yards. He had one reception for eight yards. And as far as we could tell, looked healthy, looked physically available, uh, but took the back seat as this game progressed. And this kind of sets the stage for a question that who is the first running back to trot out there with the first team offense on the road at Auburn and what will be a showcase primetime uh, kind of a, a view for a lot of people. And to me, it's hard to imagine that Nick Singleton doesn't get the bulk of work. I'm not going to necessarily say that Kevon Lee doesn't get the first rep right now, but Singleton, if you want to search for the hot hand, you know, unless you want to bury your head in the stand, sand as a staff, Penn State, you found it. James Franklin, uh, after the game, you know, he, he made a point to say they did stick to the one-to-one-to-one rotation, uh, even though I think it's probably halfway through the first quarter, it, it didn't really feel like much of a rotation. But like you said, I can see it uh, moving forward as a situation where Kevon Lee is still the first running back out. Uh, he was that today where he was on the field for the first two plays and then Nick Singleton came on for the for the third play. Uh, and it did feel like there was a little bit, this is anecdotal, but it did feel like there was a little bit more mixing and matching within drives um, than there was last week, where last week it was 
very straightforward, very rigid. Um, and I kind of, I personally, I feel like that kind of fluidity, I think can help uh, probably get these guys going a little bit more um, when it isn't so delineated, but we've talked about <laughs> this rotation a lot, but it, it is going to be interesting. I mean, you can't ignore what Nick Singleton did today. Um, I don't, even if you try really hard, I don't think you can. Um, I still think we're going to see a lot of Katron Allen. Um, he didn't lose any yards uh, on any of his runs today, which is always something that I feel like you need to look at with, with a young running back. Um, and he did have that nice catch. So he can do some, I feel like that he's been a little bit more multidimensional than he was kind of billed, at, billed as coming out of IMG. Um, but, you know, I think we saw last week that uh they gave the ball to Kevon. They put the ball in Kevon Lee's hands in a really big spot in a game. So I think the true test to what this uh, rotation is or who's the lead back, um, you know, even if Nick Singleton were to carry the ball 12 times through the first three quarters at Auburn next week, who's in there in the fourth quarter? Who's in there in the, the four minute offense trying to burn the clock? Who's in there in the two minute offense trying to win the game? And as a reminder, at Purdue, in that final drive, the game-winning drive, it was Katron Allen and it was Kevon Lee out there at running back uh, during that one. This afternoon, though, Nick Singleton certainly in the spotlight. There was a 40-year span uh, for Penn State where no Penn State uh, no Penn State freshman ran for 100 yards in, in a season opener, and, and De- Devin Ford changed that in 2019. Uh, he went for, I think, 109 yards. Um, that, was, that was impressive, but this was the most rushing yards for any Penn State player in their Beaver Stadium debut. So, hello. Uh, you know, that, that's really <laughs> impressive. I mean, Nick Singleton, if you want to start you, the, if you want to start piling up the accolades at the collegiate level, that's a nice way to do it. We know he came to town with a bunch of them. Uh, speaking of accolades, Drew Aller, uh, obviously a guy who was our number one quarterback in the entire country at 24-7 sports, uh, an Elite 11 finalist. Go down the list, he probably did it, Mr. Ohio Football. Got here in January, and we all kind of wondered what this would look like if he would be able to to first beat Bo Perbula and then eventually beat Christian Veyer. And now here we are, and it's very clear, although we talked about it this week on the podcast because it wasn't so clear back then, but he is QB2. And James Franklin wanted opted to kind of dance around that subject this week, and maybe he was sincere about it, but there was no doubt when they got into this matchup. Franklin said it was already kind of prepackaged planning to have Drew come in in the second quarter for one series and then in the third quarter for one series. So that was their blueprint going into the game before scores even started happening. The way the second quarter kind of wrapped up and finished, James Franklin says it just wasn't going to work out the way they wanted it to. Penn State yet again has a late touchdown drive and a half. They've been killing it. That was four touchdowns now they've scored in the final two minutes of halves. It wasn't a, th- a concern for them in the, in the second half today, but they've been money in that situation. Sean Clifford drove, uh, drove them down the field. Clifford was back on the field, Daniel, for the first possession of the second half. Ended up with Jake Pinnegar's missed field goal. Pinnegar's on our list to get to, don't worry. But then Drew Aller comes in. Four possessions. Three touchdowns. One of those touchdowns was courtesy of that Nick Singleton 44-yard run, and Drew didn't have to throw the ball once. But he had to orchestrate this offense. He threw his first two career touchdowns, and of his six completions, each of them went to a different receiver, came out of this game, speaking from James Franklin, speaking with his teammates. Everybody's really excited about number 15 right now. I think the kind of a big tell as to how his teammates feel about him and, and the impression he's made is, is talking to the defensive players. Um, and we talked to Adisa Isaac after the game and Adisa said, 
you guys might, this might be new to you, but it's old to us that, that we've been seeing this uh, since Drew got there in January. Um, Jair Brown, you know, spoke really glowingly of him. And so, you know, I think that, I think that guys know the type of talent he is, that they know what he's capable of. And he really showed it um, today that I think that you look at kind of the, the total package. It was kind of a, it felt like a very full experience. Obviously, last week, only one series, you're not going to get the, you know, the full effect. But this, we saw him take a sack for the first time. Um, we saw him be under duress um, with a, a free rusher coming and him stepping up in the pocket, moving, hitting Cleo Dinkins uh, for the touchdown. It just really looked kind of, you were able to see him in, in different situations that we hadn't seen him in before. Uh, he ran the ball. Um, no. Five rushes for 11 yards. I think that's probably four for, uh, I'm not four for 17 if you factor out the sack. Um, but he was able to use his legs, and James Franklin brought that up as something that is on tape now. So when mm-hmm. Drew Aller is in there, that's something else that that defenses will have to account for. So, you know, I think that he just kind of like we've said, he he looked the part. Um, the ball looked good. Um, six of eight. One of those incompletions was to Omari Evans, where uh, Aller went to the outside shoulder. Omari Evans turned to the inside, um, but it seemed like that he had good chemistry. Like you said, six uh, completions to six wide receivers. He got Evans the the touchdown. He got Dinkins the touchdown. He got Caden Saunders his his first career catch. Uh, it was just a very complete and very. I think that you should just feel really good um, about this quarterback coming in. Yeah, the eight-yard run was the highlight of, of his rushing efforts today. But to me, like when I when you think about his mobility, it's not what's reflected in the box scores. What was reflected in him buying time, not making mistakes. I mean, look, before I covered Penn State, I had a chance to cover national recruiting for a few years, and that involved me going to every big quarterback camp all year round. And I was always amazed that when some of these just superstar quarterback recruits at the high school level, you'd see them surface on a college field down the road for the first time, and all of a sudden you're like what they got zapped of their of their poise they got zapped of everything that made them special and maybe the arm talent's still there but there's no pocket presence their eyes are going their their eyes are dropping at, when when the rest comes that's the exact opposite of how Drew Aller has answered the bell in a limited appearance on the road last week which was a very different environment than the one that greeted him here in, in Happy Valley i mean it was a, a lot to cheer about today i'm not sure we heard a louder applause sustained for when Drew Aller entered the game as quarterback in the third quarter. People were really excited, and he lived up to that hype in this situation. He's going to have to keep doing it for the rest of his career, and he's going to face a much larger spotlight as things progress. But, look, there's pressure on his shoulders every time he takes a snap right now. That's what happens when you're the number one quarterback in the country. And what I like about his demeanor and what I love what we hear from the teammates is he is just approaching things like he is the new kid in town and like he has a lot to learn because I don't know if you've noticed, but five-star quarterbacks and their families can carry a little bit of an ego and they can bring that to a locker room and that can change some dynamics. And if things aren't going right or things are going right, it can kind of, you know, their mood can dictate how teammates feel and, and it can create a schism at times within a locker room. Drew Aller sounds like he's sitting back with his notebook and only speaking when spoken to was the phrasing that Jair Brown used. And he said the only time that changes where Drew goes from being you know the quiet freshman who's trying to absorb everything 
to a guy who can take command is when he's doing those checks at the line, when he's out there with 10 other guys in the offense. And I absolutely love that because he's balancing being this behind the scenes kind of student while also embracing his opportunity and saying, you know what, I am ready for this moment. I don't need to tell everybody. And clearly whatever he's doing is working because I think there's a lot of love for Christian Veyer in this lo- in this locker room among this coaching staff. And it wasn't a decision that they took lightly to set him aside. He did get some work late. He finished six of seven. Um, but Drew Aller is clearly the next quarterback in. And regardless of the scoreboard in Auburn, you have to wonder if Penn State doesn't make it, find a way to make it three for three on the season and getting him involved in game action. I don't think James Franklin will be able to, to dance around the number two quarterback uh, question no. this week. <laughs> uh, if that comes in, I think that uh, Aller kind of showed, uh, showed who he is, but yeah, I think that looking forward, it, it is interesting to see how you could incorporate Aller uh, into this offense. Um, we can probably have this conversation later this week because he's not really the, the dual threat guy that, that you put in um, where you're going to start running the ball a lot. Um you know, he, his skill set is very, it isn't necessary. It doesn't fit the typical change of pace quarterback. Um, and Sean Clifford hasn't really been that guy so far this, I mean, hasn't been asked to be, he hasn't needed to be, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, I, I mean, we've seen it in the past where they have had to lean on him as a runner, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for the Nittany Lions. But today Clifford, uh, 14 rushing yards of second consecutive game. He had a short run. But to me, I think what stood out was Bryce Efner said it. I think we heard it from Harrison Wallace as well. It felt like to them when Drew Aller stepped in, there was no change. It was a different quarterback, but the offense could flow as it needed to. And in the past, we've seen when Penn State has to go to QB2, they've got to reconfigure everything. And the obviously the most glaring example of that occurred last October. Even Sean mentioned that uh, earlier this week when he was talking about when when he left and, and Aller had to come in. Uh, that he said that there was no, I, I forget the, the phrasing that he used, but there wasn't any hiccup um, that yeah. there was, there were no steps back. Uh, that That's how he put it. That when, when Aller came in, things didn't take a step back. Um, and I think that that's probably the best endorsement you can give a backup quarterback um, that things don't change when they come in. Um, and I think that where Aller is in his career, I think that that's kind of the, the first major compliment that, that you need to get. Uh, from your teammates and and from your coaches. And then it's just kind of all building from there. And what is it building to? (laughs) I guess we'll see uh, over these, over these next few weeks and months, but it's just, it's really promising. I don't really think you could ask for a better, you know, first two games, first two appearances uh, from Drew Aller coming in uh, at the beginning of this year. We'll be right back on the Lions 24 seven podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, by the way, the six-year senior, fourth-year team captain, Sean Clifford, 19 of 27, 213 yards, one touchdown throwing, one touchdown passing, no turnovers uh, in about 
32, 33 minutes of game action. Uh, he was an observer the rest of the way. I know he was excited to see Drew get his shot. I also know he, as a six-year senior, doesn't like leaving the field at any point over the course of a game. But look, Sean Clifford, Drew Aller, and you go down to Christian Veyer, and we'll learn more about Bo Perbula as things goes on. But it's very clear through two weeks what we forecasted has been accurate. This quarterback room is as strong as it's been, at least since I've covered this team, when you can go three deep like that. Um, and, and I think James Franklin's got to have a lot of confidence in, in, in that room moving ahead. Now, there are some questions uh, in some other spots, tight end room. Uh, there were a couple missing components. One, not necessarily a big deal, Jerry Cross, a true freshman. Theo Johnson, though, uh, second consecutive game that he is absent from game action. We didn't see him when we got a peek at practice on Wednesday. During his Thursday radio show, James Franklin referenced there were some bumps and bruises involved with Theo Johnson. So we do know that it's a medical-related issue. Um, with him off the field, you mentioned it, Dinkins got a touchdown. Uh, Brenton Strange uh, had that explosive touchdown in the first game, uh, a, more of a quiet day-to-day, -day, although you mentioned some of his blocking efforts helped trigger things. Tyler Warren, uh, again, some key catches, but not a loud day for the tight end room. But I think we're all wondering, can they get Theo Johnson back? Uh, that's something we'll be monitoring. And then Daniel, still two absences on the defensive line, and these are of a different nature, and they're ones that we'll have to monitor starting with the travel roster when this team shows up in Auburn. No Smith Vilbert and no Keziah Izzard uh, again uh, on the defensive line. Um, they were out there during warmups in, in sneakers. And then when everyone went into the locker room, they came out uh, in their jerseys, sweatpants, sneakers. They're standing with the injured Zariah Fisher um, watching. So uh, James Franklin wouldn't give any <laughs> any indication uh, as to their status on Wednesday. He said that he wasn't ready to make a public comment about it. Um, so we'll have to wait and see there. But I think that you look at the defensive end group, um, Amin Vanover uh, had a very loud uh, game today. Uh, Deny Dennis Sutton hasn't quite had his big first splash play yet, but he has first career tackle today, um, I believe. So that's kind of a, another step with, with these freshmen getting involved. Um, and then on the interior, um, you know, we saw the, the usual rotation uh, behind PJ Mustafa with Devon Elise, Jordan Vandenberg. Uh, Zane Durant um, and someone I know I'm forgetting. Um, so it's a deep group. <laughs> well, I know. I think we can go six deep there, and, and I could only get to only get to five with Izzard. Um, so it, it, it's nine fifty four. <laughs> we'll get there. But <laughs> I think that the the defensive line has been kind of a, a pleasant. I don't want to say surprise, but it was kind of an area we were really curious of about coming in, um, especially after how things went last year some of the new pieces with Chop Robinson transferring in, Adisa Isaac and PJ Mustafer coming back from injury, um, and you feel good about it. At the same time, uh, you kind of want Smith Vilbert and Keziah Izzard to be available because they are experienced guys. Um, even if they just end up being depth, they've played, they've had their flashes, and we saw last year how quickly this depth can disappear. So I think that that's a situation that you want to monitor. Uh, it hasn't hurt Penn State yet. Um, because of some of these other players on the depth chart. I think that having Zane Durant ready to play as a true freshman, um, Amin Vanover stepping up uh, in some of these situations, that's really mitigated uh, the loss or the absence of Vilbert and Izzard. But you you need bodies uh, in the trenches. I think that that's been a big lesson uh, for Penn State the past few years, and the more the better. 
I'm with you. Vanover, by the way, I mean, a couple games in a row now where he warrants attention and you say 56 is going to play a lot of football for this team. And that's maybe not something that we forecasted as much considering the depth at defensive end and defensive tackle, as we've discussed. And by the way, uh, Chop Robinson, I mean, no one, to, in my opinion, is flying around in that front group more impressively than him and not always reflected in the stat sheet, but he is disrupting plays. He batted down a ball. It was something that he discussed with us trying to trying to have that be a part of his game for a guy who's just getting his feet underneath him at defensive end already looks like one of the most important figures for this Penn state defense through eight quarters of the season. And I didn't think I was going to say that I thought he might look like a real strong supplemental piece right now. And a guy you can kind of say, what's it look like come November He's already there in a lot of ways in terms of this <laughs> in terms of this uh, staff getting him a lot of run, and I'm really excited to see how it goes uh, for for a guy who has what three years of eligibility that he brought here, and you know so he's only a sophomore and it's not an Arnold Day one year rental kind of deal. There's a lot to love about from both ends how the Chop Robinson uh, how the Chop Robinson experiment is working out for both parties here. And, and Daniel, we do have to also dive over a little bit to, to some of the, the, the defensive personnel, cause it was a lot going on today. Um, and Jair Brown continues to creep up. He told me, told me a little bit about it after the game, how much he's loving it. He's playing essentially the Mike linebacker role when they're wheeling out seven defensive backs. And, and we said, what are they going to do? Is, is Manny Diaz going to go deep and, and bring a bunch of these guys on the field at the same time? And the answer has been, Absolutely, yes. You know, you're going to see three safeties on the field together, uh, Jair Brown playing up. And this was something that he said has been uh, kind of part of the game plan for Penn State since the spring. It isn't something that popped up in preseason camp. They felt like Jair Brown had the size, uh, had the uh, athleticism, and and really also the, the, the leadership ability to go in that role and kind of direct traffic. And, and it's been really impressive to see them implement this on third down plays. And you look across the field at all the DBs, and yet you're not lacking for size. And, and, and this three-man front we saw today uh, was Beeman, Isaac, and Chop, I believe. And, and I just absolutely love that. So give me more of that. And I know Jair Brown says the same thing. He said, Manny Diaz, let's go. Uh, he likes this a lot. So look, Manny Diaz getting creative. Uh, Penn State going very deep across the offensive positions. A bunch of guys getting their first catches, first touches. There's also some special teams to play. And that meant Jake Pinniger was in the spotlight a few moments and, and uh, first field goal of the season was good. Uh, that one was from within 30 yards. His second from 42 went wide, right. And then he missed an extra point, which was a very ugly point after touchdown attempt uh, later in the game. So this was a question that came up for James Franklin. It's a story you wrote. And to me, not much of a pain when you win by 36, it's just something to write about something for some people to complain about. But I don't see a lot of 36-point wins in Penn State's future when I look at the rest of their schedule. I see a lot of four- or five-point wins, two-point wins, maybe some two-point losses, though, if you don't have everything put together uh, from a play-sicker standpoint. And I know Jake Pinnaker's played a lot of football. He's respected in this locker room for sticking around, winning the job back. But this cannot be a consistent problem. Well, I, I went through and, and looked at the schedule last year, and Penn State, uh, four of their six losses were by four points or less. Uh, and today, Jake Pinnaker left four points out there uh, with the missed field goal and the missed extra point. So I think that kind of shows you the type of margin uh, that, that Penn State is going to be, margin for error that Penn State is going to be looking at as you get deeper into the schedule. Um, and yeah, I mean, you at this point, you, you can't have those misses. Um, you know, I don't 
necessarily think it was a, a total surprise that that Pinniger came out of camp um, as the kicker, given his experience, his track record. You kind of know what you're going to get. Um, but I do think that Sanders to Haydeck is a very intriguing kicker. Uh, we saw him make a couple from 55 yards um, during warmups uh, today. Uh, we also saw Jake Pinniger hit from about 52 and a half yards. So both of those guys have legs. Um, it was interesting to hear James Franklin talk about it. Uh, he pointed it toward the line um, as, as an issue here with Ohio getting a really good push um, and being able to affect the kicks. Um, there was someone that, that really got through the left side um, and was basically in Jake Pinniger's face uh, on the missed uh, 42 yard field goal, um, which didn't miss by that much um, when looking at the TV copy. Um, but then the extra point again, Ohio got a really good push. Um, it's a group of offensive linemen and, and defensive linemen. Um, I think Fatorma Molba was out there, uh, Jake Wilson, um, and then a host of other um, offensive linemen like Caden Wallace, Jimmy Christ, um, Golden Israel Achumba uh, around Crystal and Tyler Jazanski, uh, the long snappers. Um, so I think that'll be it's kind of one of the more, I guess, under the radar things coming out of this. Uh, not necessarily the missed kicks, but maybe the mechanics of what in, of what went into it. So I think that'll be something to watch. Um, you know, James Franklin has been you know pretty bold about the emphasis that he puts on special teams. Um, you look at the the travel roster last week, and they had uh, two kickers, two punters, and two long snappers. Uh, we know that they, that Penn State puts a lot of scholarships uh, into its specialists, and they want results. So it'll be interesting to see what exactly this looks like uh, if there do need to be personnel changes and, and how that, I guess, comes to be a little bit. You reminded me because of, of you're right. Franklin pointed out the, the, the front uh, on those, on those kicks as being an issue, something they want to get cleaned up. It just took me back to, to noting that we have some house cleaning to do on the offensive line. I just wanted to say Hunter <laughs> Norzat, he, he, it was a, a, a shared role again on the left side. Norzat exited the game midway through for some time after staying down, uh, dealt with whatever injury he had, came back out there. He played some center today. The first time we've seen that, it's what we've heard happening on the practice field. This is a guy who played tackle at Cornell, was an all Ivy League tackle. He's now been uh, a, a bunch of work at left guard and now some work at center. So they're utilizing him. And it, it was a lot of Bryce Efner at right tackle. It was a lot of Caden Wallace at right tackle. It was certainly a rotation as James Franklin had told us it would be. And, and I think at the end of the day, when you produce 572 yards and you're able to run the football with a lot of help from that freshman, uh, we're going to spend less time talking about the offensive line. And, and, and there were fewer questions after the game about the offensive line. And they have a big test next week against an SEC opponent. I do want to get back to special teams because you have assigned yourself to the Barney a more beat for Lions 24-7. <laughs> and he had another really impressive performance. That punt uh, in the that Penn State that downed at the one. Uh, great play by Malik Mega to be patient with it. He went into the end zone, reestablished himself uh, in the field of play, caught the ball in the one. Um, I think that we saw last week when Daquan Hardy got a little too excited about getting the ball down there that he knocked it in. Um, but that was just a very beautiful punt. I mean, to me, it it bounced inside the one, um, you know, very close to the goal line. Um, he got it to come back. Um, I think I was watching this trajectory from the press box and it was, I was kind of going to be like, Oh, like nice try. That was really close, but touchback. Okay. But he got it to land and he got it to die. And 
it's yeah, that's that's great. Um, he had a, he had a 52 yarder with a friendly bounce, um, and then he had another uh, punt down inside the 10 um, at the end of the game that that Malik Mega uh, also ran down. So I guess it's also a note that we're seeing some rotation uh, at the gunner spots uh, after that was Keaton Ellis and Daquan Hardy last week. Um, we saw Malik Mega uh, at wide receiver a little bit today for the first time, um, but it's clear that they're trying to to utilize his speed. But back to Barney Amore. Um, I think that maybe overall through the first two weeks of the season, um, given what Jordan Stout was last year and what Penn State had to replace, I think that you'd have to say Barney Amore is the most pleasant surprise or the most uh, surprising player, unexpected uh, you know, performance that we've seen through these first two weeks. Um, but um, you know, special teams is... Uh, you know, it can win it can win you a couple games. It can lose you a couple games. And uh, I think that Penn State has done a good job of making sure that it's it's mostly the the winning the games. Yeah, and, and I'm with you. I think in terms of someone who's exceeded expectations or kind of answered a question that we have, this one is really trending in the right direction in a hurry. There will be continued tests for a punter, and all it takes is one shank for everyone to, to flip on him and go the other way. Uh, but if you were following Ohio's punting situation today, you see – what bad punning can do and how it affects you and affects field position. There was a reason that Penn State always seemed to be starting near midfield over the course of today. Um, I think that we touched on just about everything from the game we wanted to get to on this one. There is a lot to talk about in terms of the freshman usage, Uh, a lot of things to comb through between now and our next episode, which will come on Monday. Daniel, I want to get into the commitment just for a minute or two, but anything else to empty out of the notebook? Uh, We've got a bunch of written content at lines247.com that we hope you'll go over and read and check out and we'll continue to have that up into Sunday but anything else you want to make sure that people are aware of from our experience at Beaver Stadium today just from a personnel side uh Abdul Carter uh got some run uh that as we were planning uh he made it through his his first snap and got to the second um so that was someone who when I, I go to rewatch the game uh I'm going to be keeping an eye on and then the other I guess really interesting just from a guy that we've barely talked about uh, Jaden Dotton, uh, Sean Clifford targeted him on the first play of the game. Um, he had two catches um, for 14 yards or 15 yards. So I think that uh, for for 14 yards, sorry, the yak and the he, he caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage. So the, the yak was a little funky there, but um, that was someone that we hadn't seen in a while. So I'm sure we'll, we'll have more of these guys to go through, but those were the two just off the top of my head, because I know that we talked a lot about Abdul Carter Um Last week, James Franklin talked a lot about him, um, and we got to see him, and we got to see him for for an extended time. Yeah, Tig Brown tonight said he he believes that Abdul Carter is the next great Penn State linebacker. So there you go. Uh, in terms of a guy who's, who's two games in his career and, and hasn't accomplished a whole lot yet, what is brewing behind the scenes and what we're hearing coming out of the Lash building really since he got to campus leads you to believe that Penn State picked up a really special talent at linebacker and Abdul Carter. Um, and, and by the way, Jaden Dotton's a perfect example of this. James Franklin, it's a feel-good kind of day. It's not just about getting all these high-profile freshman work. Some of these guys who have been working their butts off for three or four years in their program for one reason or another hasn't worked out. Some of the walk-on guys who are essentially – can feel like practice squad dummies at time and, you know, just getting hit constantly for the betterment of the team for them to go out there and assert themselves, hit somebody else and, and feel like, uh, you know, feel like they're the aggressor. It's a great opportunity. And, and it's the kind of galvanizing moment where you should show up to the facilities tomorrow and everybody's feeling pretty good 
about where they're at ahead of a, a big matchup and, and things are going to get really, really real for Penn State in a hurry as this schedule moves on. Um, so Zion Tracy was on campus for the last couple of days. He's on an official visit out of Oakdale, St. Thomas Moore up in Connecticut. Um, and he committed on Saturday night, decided he wasn't going to wait until he left campus. I actually saw James Franklin giving Zion Tracy a hug before he left the field uh, after this matchup. And Tracy decided to announce on Friday morning or, or Saturday night. I don't know why I said Friday morning. <laughs> Saturday night when, when we were in the press box. And by the time we sat down here, um, story was up from Brian Doan. Uh, quotes online 24-7 about why this decision came through. Tracy was a guy that we've covered here on the podcast. Um, came to camp wowed the staff with not just his 40-yard dash numbers in late July at that camp, which were sub 4-4, but also in, in going uh, mano a mano with Ajani Shakir, uh, wide receiver commit for Penn State, a four-star prospect by 24-7 sports evaluation. And Tyler Calvaruzzo, our recruiting reporter, dropped a really good nugget um, on the message board tonight about just why Zion Tracy has generated some buzz here. He's a guy who's come on late, got a Penn State offer just in the last couple of weeks, and now he's committed joining this 2023 recruiting class. Uh, we'll get to know him a lot more in our next episode. We'll have Tyler Calvaruzzo back on to break down a big weekend in Beaver Stadium. First time they've had a, a group of recruits on campus like this for a game since last November. So a lot to catch up on on the recruiting trail on Monday. And we'll have Daniel back on to go through what our, whatever we missed today and probably a lot of different stuff um, and, and go through our notes a bit. Uh, Daniel? Long day. Appreciate you for sticking through <laughs> with us here. We're, we're now after 10 o'clock. I think uh, we, we were chatting in the press box at Beaver Stadium before 10 a.m. So thanks for all the work you put in today. Thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. I'm Tyler Donahue. Uh, for everyone, this is the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll talk to you real soon.